on the evening of January 10, 2013, a long-haul truck driver named Kenneth received a call that no father wants to receive. His 17-year-old son, Kendrick, hadn't returned home from school that day, and no one could find him anywhere. Kendrick's mother, Jackie, arrived at the high school the next morning, demanding answers about where her son was, only to be notified that he had been located deceased in one of the school's gyms. Kendrick was found upside down inside one of the rolled-up gym mats, and his death was ruled accidental. His parents and family felt immediately that this was no accident, however. No one has been charged with a crime in this case. Was this an accidental death or a massive cover-up? I'm Ashton, and welcome to The Haunted Corner. Welcome back to The Haunted Corner. I'm glad that you're here. Today's episode is about a case that I try to share wherever I can. This is the mysterious death of Kendrick Johnson. I hate everything about this case. I mean it. This poor kid. Ugh. There's a really great documentary about this case called Finding Kendrick Johnson, and I highly recommend that you check it out if you can. There's a ton of sketchiness around this case, and I would love to hear what you think about it as well. So let's get to it. Kendrick Johnson, also known as KJ, was born on October 10th, 1995, to parents Kenneth and Jackie Johnson. They lived in Valdosta, Georgia at the time of his death, and he attended Lowndes High School, where he played sports and had lots of friends. He was said to be a quiet kid, but he was also a jokester, according to his family. He loved basketball and football, and he was hoping to play football in college. Where they lived, though, was a known racist part of Georgia. Valdosta is located near the Florida border, and it isn't uncommon to still see Confederate flags flying in 2022. On the evening of January 10th, 2013, his mom Jackie said that after school, Kendrick didn't ride the bus home, and she believed that he may have gone to a basketball game after school. But when he didn't return home, the family began communicating, trying to see if anyone had heard from Kendrick. But when no one had heard from him by later that evening, Jackie called 911. The sheriff's department came and said that he was probably out with a girl or doing typical teenage stuff, but his mom knew that that wasn't what happened. She said that he knew better than to be out that late, and they have to be in the house at 10 o'clock on school nights. So when when that time passed, she knew something was up. The sheriff took the report and said they would drive around and look for Kendrick but his mom immediately got in the car and headed out to look for him. She began searching all over the neighborhood, and eventually she ended up in the school looking in the school parking lot. 
but she still couldn't find Kendrick. She claims that she knew in her heart at that point that he was gone, but she could have never imagined that he would have died in the location or the manner that he did. His dad claims that once it hit midnight and they hadn't heard from him, he knew his son was dead. He was on a truck at the time and he had to pull over because he was just so bothered by the situation. I can't imagine as a parent knowing that your child is missing and being so far away and unable to help. It's just devastating. Now in Lowndes High School, which is the high school that Kendrick attended, there was apparently an old gym and a new gym. The morning of January 11th, 2013, some of the students, including two of the daughters of the superintendent, reportedly, were hanging out in the old gym before class when they noticed something in some of the rolled up mats that caught their eye. They looked over and sticking straight out of the top of one of the rolled up mats was what looked like a pair of socks. They went over to investigate and they noticed what looked like a foot and they tried to talk to the person and see if they were okay, if they were stuck, if they needed some help. But it quickly became apparent that this person needed help. The mat was standing up vertically and they were unable to get it down. So they went to get a teacher who was able to get the mat down. They saw blood by Kendrick's head and they quickly knew that something was very wrong. After being up all night, his mother, Jackie, arrived at the school around 8 a.m. on the 11th, where she was asking administrators about her son's whereabouts, trying to figure out what went on and where he was. She figured, okay, he didn't come home that night, but he's got to be at school, right? So if he didn't come home that night, maybe he was out with his friends, He's he's got to be at school, right? Well, she quickly learned that Kendrick hadn't been in his third or fourth fourth period classes on the day prior. There were a lot of people in and out of the gym at the time, and they wouldn't let his sister go in to see what was going on. Jackie says that she was sitting in the office and waiting for news, and while she was there, a call came into the office, and the mood shifted. She said, that she then asked the resource officer if they had found her son in that gym, and she confirmed that they had. Jackie was immediately hysterical, and she was seeking answers about what had happened to her son. As she's finding out what happened to her son, it's business as usual in the school. Students are in the middle of changing classes and just walking through the halls like nothing's going on, the school was never locked down at all. They never let Jackie see Kendrick to identify him, and they practically accosted her for being so upset. According to her, they said, quote, why are you screaming? We don't even know if that's KJ, end quote. And she responded, quote, has anyone else reported their son missing? Does he have dreads, end quote? And they confirmed that he did but then they still wouldn't let her go in there to identify him. They showed the daughter a picture of a black tennis shoe that was found in the gym near, near where the body was found as a way of identifying him. 
They waited over five hours to call the coroner, which is against Georgia law. The Georgia law says that the coroner should immediately take possession of the body after the discovery of the death. The coroner would eventually go on to admit that this is not what should have happened. They should have called him right away to come take possession of the body. And this lack of notifying the coroner definitely had an effect on his investigation into the death. Another strange thing was paramedics who arrived on scene asked why the scene wasn't being closed down. And they were told that the police believed it was an accident, so they didn't believe that there was a reason to lock down the gym or the scene. Um, okay. Now, later that day, shortly after Kendrick's body had left the school, the sheriff's office came out and claimed that they didn't find any foul play. That's it. That was an awfully quick investigation. They said, quote, although the exact cause of death is yet to be determined, as of this stage in the investigation, nothing has been discovered to indicate foul play was involved. And this was according to Sheriff Chris Prime. An autopsy was performed by the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, and it was ultimately ruled that Johnson had died from positional asphyxia, and the case was ruled an accidental death. Positional asphyxia, according to Barnard Health, is, quote, a fatal condition owing to the body being oriented in an unusual position, either induced or adopted independently, which mechanically interferes with pulmonary ventilation by airway obstruction and interference of chest wall excursion, end quote. So basically when your position prevents you from breathing properly, it's really a rare cause of death. It doesn't happen a lot, um, but it's usually when infants are, you know, die suddenly, either from being in their car seat and their head tilts down and they, it blocks their airway. But there haven't been very many cases of positional asphyxia and it can't be replicated in a laboratory. So researchers have debate, debated if it should even be considered a cause of death. Now back in 2013, the school actually charged students to use lockers. So instead of paying for them, some students would use the mats to store items during gym class or in between. A student at the school said that he shared a pair of black Adidas shoes with KJ and that after gym class, Johnson would always, quote, go to the mats, jump up, and toss the shoes inside the middle of the hole, end quote. So the theory, according to the sheriff's office, is that KJ was on top of the rolled up mats possibly reaching to grab the pair, pair of shoes that he shared with one of the friends when he fell in and got stuck and ultimately died from positional asphyxia. So the question is, could he have died from this? He, how is it possible that he got up there, got himself in there, and then got himself stuck and no one heard him? Is it possible that the sound was so muffled that it would be blocked out easily? 
If you look at the surveillance footage and the photos, which will be on the blog, this gym really isn't that big. Initially, I pictured my high school's gym when I first heard of the case. And so I pictured a huge gym with the big bleachers. And that's just not the case. So this was the old gym. This was a smaller gym. And there was only a set of just a couple bleachers, so like two or three bleachers high if you look at the picture. And there's rolled up mats, so it's not a huge gym. And there was a basketball game going on in the gym at the time, so there were several people in there who could have heard him, you would think. Or did no one hear him calling for help because he was already dead prior to being put inside the mat? More than that, though, why would he go in the mats in the first place to retrieve the shoe? Why? He could have easily knocked over the mat or moved it out of the way to get the shoe. It wasn't like a huge mat. These mats were six feet tall. And it just doesn't really make sense. According to an interview with the sheriff's office, they state that when the mats are rolled up, It leaves an approximately two-foot hole in the middle of the mats. Kendrick was five foot ten, and the mat that he went into is approximately six foot six feet tall when standing upright and rolled up. Kendrick's shoulders measure 19 inches, and according to the police report, the opening of the mat was 14 inches. So they're saying that he somehow fit himself into that hole and got stuck while trying to retrieve a shoe that may have fallen in and was at the bottom of the mat. There were three pairs of shoes in the gym at the time. Kendrick's shoes and the black shoes that it said that he was sharing with a classmate, as well as an unknown pair of shoes that had what appeared to be blood on them and were found nearby in the gym. One of the black shoes that he shared with a classmate was found outside of the mat nearby, and that's the one that they used for his sister to identify. The other black shoe is the one that he was theorized to have been reaching for and was found near his head at the bottom of the mat. His own orange and white shoes were found shoved behind his knees in the mat as if they were like placed in there. That's the only explanation for that. He was found with one of his arms by his side and the other one was above his head. There was a pool of blood and vomit found underneath his head when the mat was moved, but somehow the black shoe that he was said to have been reaching for had no blood on it at all, no blood or vomit, even though there was a pool of blood there. How is that possible? That's, it's so strange. That doesn't make sense to me. How is it possible if there was a pool of blood and there was, you can see in the crime scene photos that there are, there's blood all over the mat and the floor, but somehow there was no blood on the shoe that was found right by him, right there in, supposedly in that pool of blood. The crime scene was not preserved. The shoes were not kept for evidence to be tested later. There was blood on the wall of the gym that was never tested. There's footage of the gym where Kendrick was found, 
and you can see a hoodie on the floor several feet away as well as a black tennis shoe and you can also see Kendrick inside the mat where he was found and I'll include this footage on my blog as well it is very tough to watch though so definitely use discretion if you're going to be watching it but it does give you a good idea of the size of the mats and the gym and the position in which he was found his dad even posted a picture of himself online trying to squeeze into one of the mats to show how difficult that would be even when the mat is you know horizontal on the ground now there are tons of cameras inside the school and outside the school. Now in the surveillance footage, the timestamps were really random and it gave the appearance that the footage could have been altered. Because of FERPA, the family could not just access the surveillance footage right away. It is a high school. There are minors on that footage. So they did have to go through the courts, which is the only way the footage could have been released. The police requested that the school turn over the surveillance after allowing them to have some time with it. According to an incident report from the sheriff's office, a detective watched a portion of the video, then asked an information technology officer who was employed by the school board to produce a, quote, copy of the surveillance video for the entire wing of the school with the old gym for the last 48 hours, end quote. Five days later, According to the sheriff's report, the IT officer delivered a hard drive to the detective who verified it contained what he had requested five days later. So rather than requesting the surveillance footage immediately for the investigators to analyze, they gave the school plenty of time to produce the footage. According to a forensic video analyst who took time to analyze over 290 hours of material from 35 cameras inside and outside of the school's gym, he believed it was very, very suspicious. He said, quote, the surveillance video has been altered in a number of ways, primarily in image quality and likely in dropped information, information loss. There are also a number of files that are corrupted because they've not been processed correctly and they're not playable. I can't say why they were done that way, but they were not done correctly and they were not done thoroughly, so we're missing information." End quote. Kendrick was seen on surveillance footage entering the gym at around 1.27 p.m. He is seen walking to the right side of the gym where the gym mats are located out of the camera's view at 127. Authorities also stated that no one was seen following him. Of the four cameras inside the gym, two cameras are missing an hour and five minutes. Another pair of cameras are missing two hours and 10 minutes. The timestamp on a camera outside the gym also appeared to be 10 minutes behind the cameras inside the gym. So maybe we should have taken possession of the footage immediately after all and not left it up to the school to determine what footage was relevant to the investigation. I don't know. The family was not impressed with the way this case was handled. They were protesting outside of the court every day. They were sitting with signs. His parents were even arrested at one point 
outside of the courthouse for protesting. They hosted a rally demanding that the body didn't leave the county without his mother or father identifying it. And about an hour later, they received a call and were told to go down to the crime lab. They claim that it was clear by viewing his body that he was in some kind of an altercation. The photos are available out there. His family has released them. They're out there on the internet and they are very, very graphic. So if you're going to be looking at them, just be warned. They are very graphic, but the family does want them to be seen. You can see bruising around his eyes and nose, and his arm was still above his head when they went to view his body. Because of the attention surrounding the case, the Attorney General of Georgia reopened the case and began a new investigation into Kendrick's death. On May 8th of 2013, a judge granted that Kendrick's body could be exhumed, and there was a second autopsy performed on June 15th, 2013. This autopsy brought more questions than answers, though. During the second autopsy, the medical examiner discovered that all of Kendrick's organs had been removed and replaced with newspaper. Apparently, this is something that was done in autopsies in the past, but it was kind of an outdated practice and it wasn't best practiced, according to what I read. It's more possible that sawdust or cotton is used in place of organs that need to be removed, but not usually newspaper. The funeral home claimed that they never received the organs after the initial autopsy. However, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation claims that when they passed KJ's body off to the funeral home, they signed for it, acknowledging that his entire remains organs included, were there at that time. They also signed a document claiming that they had possession of his clothes from that day, but those are missing as well. So what happened? Did the funeral home lose his organs, or were they really not there when the body arrived? Why did somebody sign for it saying that the organs were there when they weren't? And what happened to his clothes? The Johnson family ultimately filed a civil suit against the funeral home, but the funeral home was cleared of any wrongdoing in the case, so nothing came of that. During the second autopsy, the medical examiner noticed a bruise on Kendrick's neck that he said indicated the presence of blunt force trauma. This time, the death was not ruled accidental nor was positional asphyxia mentioned. The autopsy report says, quote, blunt force trauma, right neck, involving right mandible and soft tissues, including the area of the carotid body, consistent with inflicted injury. Note, unexplained apparent non-accidental blunt force trauma, further investigation is indicated to determine the etiology of these injuries, end quote. And I'll include a link to the full autopsy report on the blog so you can read through it. But ultimately, the medical examiner agreed with the family's initial thought that this was not an accidental death. So the question that everyone was asking themselves is, who would want to hurt KJ? 
KJ's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Lowndes County Board of Education, the superintendent and the principal of Lowndes County, and the suit alleged that Johnson was violently assaulted, severely injured, suffered great physical pain and mental anguish, and was subjected to insult and loss of light on January 10, 2013. While the lawsuit did not name the person or persons allegedly involved in the January 10th event, it did imply that this was a race-based assault. And the lawsuit alleged that the defendants were negligent and violated Johnson's constitutional right to equal protection based on race. It alleged that the defendants ignored reports that previously Johnson had been repeatedly attacked and harassed by a white student. Now, 14 months prior to Kendrick's death, he got into a fight with a boy from his school on a bus to uh, an away game. And since then, tensions had been brewing. The theory is that this boy, his brother, and a friend attacked KJ in the gym that day. The two brothers were sons of an FBI agent, and the family believed that this is the source of the FBI cover-up. But one of the brothers was at a wrestling tournament four hours away at the time, and the other was seen on camera at another part of the school at the time of the event. But we do know how reliable those cameras are after they spent so much time with the school. The bus for the wrestling match is said to have left at 12.30 p.m., meaning that he couldn't have been in the gym at the time. However, despite claiming that he didn't see KJ that day, the older brother was spotted on CCTV walking right next to him just before 10 a.m. that morning. And he actually lost his full-ride scholarship to Florida State University because of all of the media attention surrounding the case even though they were never officially named persons of interest, which is awful. You know, if he didn't do anything to Kendrick, then that's awful. In January of 2015, Kendrick's family filed a $100 million lawsuit in the Superior Court of DeKalb County against 38 individuals. This was a civil lawsuit, and the respondents included three of Johnson's classmates. Two of the three respondents are unnamed and local, state, and federal officials, the school superintendent of Lowndes County, the Valdosta Lowndes Crime Lab, the police chief of Valdosta, many sheriff's deputies, the city of Valdosta, the state medical examiner, the GBI and five of its agents, and one FBI agent. So they were going after everybody. The lawsuit alleged that the FBI agent ordered his two sons and a classmate to attack Johnson his death was a murder, and that the respondents engaged in a conspiracy to cover up the homicide. Seven judges recused themselves, and the U.S. attorney who was working on the case, Michael Moore, resigned. Johnson's parents ultimately dismissed their own wrongful death lawsuit, saying that they hoped to refile it after the conclusion of the federal investigation. Now, the parents were ultimately sued for more than $850,000 in attorney fees and $1 million in defamation charges. 
On June 20th, 2016, the Department of Justice announced that they would not be filing any criminal charges related to Johnson's death, stating, quote, After extensive investigation into this tragic event, federal investigators determined that there is insufficient evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that someone or some group of people willfully violated Kendrick Johnson's civil rights or committed any other prosecutable federal crime, end quote. After this announcement, the group Anonymous got involved and took a look at the case. They posted a 10-minute video denying the death of KJ was an accident and claiming that the entire thing was a cover-up. I'll include a link for the video on the blog as well if you'd like to watch it. On August 10th, 2017, Georgia Judge Richard Porter ruled that Johnson's family and their attorney had to pay more than $292,000 in legal fees to the dozens of respondents in their civil suit. He wrote, quote, testimony shows that they had no evidence to support their claims that the brothers killed Johnson or that any of the other defendants engaged in a conspiracy to conceal the cause or manner of Johnson's death, end quote. In June of 2018, Kendrick's body was exhumed for a second time and a third autopsy was performed. The findings of the second autopsy that Johnson's death was not accidental and was caused by blood force trauma were confirmed in the third autopsy. Around this time, an affidavit was also brought forward in which a witness revealed some horrifying information. It's all very redacted, so it's kind of hard to make out, but the gist is that Kendrick was in the gym with another student when they got into an argument over another student. Again, redacted, 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 but it is said that they got in a fight over a girl. The affidavit states that the other student was on steroids at the time and was, quote, roiding out, end quote, when he hit Kendrick in the neck with a 45-pound weight or dumbbell. It also says that the student claimed that if the others who were in the gym at the time didn't help him move Kendrick's body, they would, quote, pay for it, end quote. The affidavit also goes on to mention that after the fact, someone facilitated the editing of the surveillance footage to remove over an hour of the original recording. This affidavit came after an anonymous email was sent to the sheriff's office that said pretty much the same thing. Again, I'll include a link to the third autopsy and the affidavit so you can read it for yourself. Kendrick's parents hoped that with the results of the third autopsy, the surveillance footage, which they were convinced had been tampered with, and the mishandling of the evidence at the scene would be enough to reopen their son's case. Ultimately, it did garner a ton of interest in the case, and in 2021, the case was reopened. However, Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk stated that he would not be claiming that there was something wrong with the original investigation or that the original investigation's conclusion of an accidental death was wrong. He also stated that he does not consider the case to be a homicide and that the two brothers named in previous legal, legal actions were not suspects. In January of 2022, the second investigation was closed and no charges were filed. 
Shortly after the report was released, the Johnson family spoke in front of the sheriff's department, and they said, quote, do not believe anything that the sheriff's department tells you. I will fight as long as I have to to uncover what happened to Kendrick Johnson, end quote. And that's a quote from his father, Kenneth Johnson. And that is the case of the mysterious death of Kendrick Johnson. I would love to hear what you think happened to him. Was it a tragic accident or was it a cover-up? I lean more towards thinking it was a cover-up, but I am interested in, in hearing what you guys think as well. So definitely let me know. Thanks for tuning in today. The sources for today's episode will be listed in the show notes and also on the blog post for the episode at www.thehauntedcorner.com. Check out the other episodes of The Haunted Corner available now wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts with new episodes dropping every Monday and Thursday. For exclusive content and access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, please join us over on Patreon. The very first exclusive episode of Cruise Ship Disappearances Part 1 is available now at the $1 per month level on up. And if you join at the $5 per month level, you'll have access to upcoming episodes one week early, and you'll get an exclusive The Haunted Corner sticker after donating for three months, plus a lot more. Follow us on social media at The Haunted Corner on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to tell a friend. If you have a case suggestion or correction to share, please send it to thehauntedcorner at gmail.com or submit it through the website. Until next time, be kind and take care of yourselves and each other, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.